Yo ho ho, it's time to go Back to the dungeon far below Bears arriving, time to die some dice Oh Grab some fun Yeah It's time for It's time for You know it's time for those crazy teachers in the dungeon Hello everybody and welcome to Teachers in the Dungeon I'm Tom Gross and joining me as he does every week in the dungeon, Dan Ream. Morning, everybody. Well, good morning to you. I guess for us it's morning. Yes. Someone might be listening in the car on the way home. They they could be. Or while do- doing dishes, maybe prepping a game. Who knows? <laughs> Let us know where you listen from. That'd yes. be kind of fun to know. Bathtub. What kind of, no, no. I don't want to know that. I don't want to do that. <laughs> well, anyway, good morning indeed. Today is a unique show. It's the first first of uh, of uh, it's a first format of this type of show because the microphones have been ripped from our hands those goblins finally did it they've been trying they've been torturing us we wouldn't give up the information but, but they got the mics they got the mics and i do believe the trolls names are ross and Greg. <laughs> you might know Ross and Greg from a couple different podcasts. If you're a Star Wars fan, you might know Greg, Greg McLaughlin from the Rebel Base Card podcast. And Ross Holobin, I've been a guest on, well, I've been a guest on both of their shows, but Ross Holobin is the host of the Album Cockpit podcast, which is a music breakdown kind of mm-hmm. uh, show. You take an album and then he and the guest breaks it down song by song, which was really cool. Um, set yeah. aside like half a day for my show. If you go back and listen, <laughs> I get a little loquacious. I love music, just like I love D and D. So yeah. I talk a lot. Um, anyway, they grabbed the mics from us and they went around an event that we have at our school called Steam into Star Wars. Yeah, and I was going to say I was going to take a minute just to sing your praises. This is a <laughs> massive undertaking that you have done for years and you've expanded it and and made it essentially what we've got at our school is a one-day con. I don't even know. I was trying to think of the term. It's not really a gaming con, although we did add gaming this year. Mm-hmm, we did. Um, it's it's kind of a pop culture. That's con. what I would call it. I mean, it, it has the theme of Star Wars. Okay. Yes. And then the educational theme is STEAM, science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. Yes. Um, and then the, the show originally started as a reading a convention or get together uh, called Star Wars Reads Day, and so I still keep reading as a focus, reading and writing as a focus. But yeah, it's it's just it's kind of d- evolved over the years into, as you described, a mini convention. Mm-hmm. And it really was. So there was you had podcasters there mm-hmm. on stage doing yep. live shows. You had an artist's alley and an author's alley. Mm-hmm. There was vendors and. New this year, we put in, you put in, we sort of got some people in to run some game demos. Yeah. So every major component, I think, of of a con was there. Mm -hmm. Even you could even say cosplay, because you had the the 501st. Yes. Yeah, this the Star Wars um 
Midwest garrison of the Imperial 501st have always supported us. This was the eighth year for this as it's been growing every year. Would have been 10. <laughs> we had that little interruption a couple of years ago. It's, you know, the goal of it is to encourage families to have something to do in January and put an educational spin on it mm-hmm. by demonstrating our public library is great. They come this year, they had two booths. One is making buttons and showing the process of making buttons. And then, <laughs> uh, then the other one, they have like a little Ozobot and uh, another tiny little robot that kids can program to go through a maze and stuff like that. And our robotics team is there and uh, crafters, uh, cricket crafters. One fun one was our mathletes were there this year. Mm. And they were, they have a, and I'm pretty sure our friend Marcus uh, has this formula where you can figure out someone's driver's license number if you know some things. Oh. And so, not figure out, but like you could, there's a formula to figuring it out. Freaked my wife out. (laughs) She went through and she came back and she's like, how did they, this is, this is my driver's license number. Yes. Yeah. There's a formula for figuring. Now, mine, Mine was one number off on one of the one of the columns. Means you don't exist. So I don't exist. Yeah, <laughs> but it was cool. People could go up there, and sh- and she had worked with me. Sally is our sponsor of our mathletes, and she came up to me and she said, "So we're doing this, but I want to have like a driver's license that we can give them. What would be something Star Wars that, that could be a driver's license?" I said, "Okay, you could have two driver's licenses. One goes on red paper with black ink." And that is you are a TIE fighter pilot, and that's your your TIE fighter pilot's license. And I said, do another one on like blue or white, and it could be you could be an X-wing pilot, and let, <laughs> let the kids choose which which license they would like to get. But then they have to go through the process of doing the formula, which I think is really cool. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. But so we have activities like that. It was yes, it was an immense undertaking. We had over you said you counted over three hundred people. I keep yeah. seeing, saying we. I just I just sold junk food. That was my task <laughs> for the day. So. Well, you were integral. I, I've always wanted to bring gaming into the convention, uh, the convention into the event. But space has been a problem. And then just like, who do I get to run these games? I mean, my game club is there, but it kind of needs some adult supervision, and I'm not available for that. And um, Zeke's Comics and Games has always been a supporter of this event, but he is running his store that he brings into the convention. So you kind of took the lead on this, not kind of, you did take the lead on this and you just being out and about at different cons and you took a trip over to FlatCon, is Mm -hmm. that the one? And met some people over there and you made the right connections there and we brought in a group that I think will be interviewed today in the takeover. Yes. I expanded the footprint by getting the graces and uh, cooperation from our athletic uh, director and a head coach because we took the balcony of our main gymnasium. uh, In peak basketball season. In peak basketball (laughs) season. And there were two girls' basketball games that would go on, our JV and varsity. And when the athletic director gave me the approval, I said, that's great. I can't believe it. Thank you so much. And then I went directly to the head coach of the girls' basketball team and I said, this is what's been done. I want to get your approval to it because there will be noise, there will be movement, there will be people walking back and forth. I said, I don't want to do something that's going to mess because our our girls team is pretty good. Mm-hmm. They're third ranked in the state currently and <laughs> I didn't want to mess anything up, you right. know. And she's like she's like, "Tom, 
it is noisy. There are crowds cheering and things like that. She goes, it's not going to interrupt us. I'd be more worried about us interrupting you. <laughs> I said, then I think this is going to work out just fine. So we put all the games. Our, so the, our event has always had like carnival games like beanbag toss and stormtrooper target practice and stuff like that. And so we moved all those up there mm-hmm. along with the board games and it worked wonderfully. It did. It did. I, I was a little worried just locationally. Oh, are people going to know? Because they've got to go down and down a hall, up a set of stairs. You and our friend Zeke. Yeah. <laughs> Both had the same concern. And yet, I every time I went up there, the, the demos were full. They were. And uh, and so I the, putting our games up there, because kids can win prizes at the event, but you have to earn tickets to earn to win prizes. Uh-huh. And the way you earn tickets is by playing those those silly games, the carnival the, games, the carnival th- yeah. games. And so I knew people would go up there. It was just, would they stay to play board games? Yeah, I, that was, that was exciting. I mean, I think we kind of hoped and I think it worked out, you mm-hmm. know, bring the kids. Oh, there's something for mom and dad to take a look at. Yep. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think everyone had a good time. We'll find out. Yeah. Ross and Greg, the goblins grabbed our mics and took a look around. So they wandered around. Yeah. Let's see what they had. To, oh, the people that they went to visit, mm-hmm. because some of them didn't get introduced uh, in the interviews. So our good friend, Jamie Leonard from D20 Dinner, mm-hmm. makes dice, was at our RPG summer camp. She was at our event showing and talking to people about how dice was made. Right. Our also good friend, Troy Westbrook, who is our liaison police officer at the school. Mm-hmm. But he's a, he's a creative artist. He uh, does some cosplay. Mm-hmm. He has created this really big, like, a grassroots how-to manual of how he got started in this and and made something that people could take right. and start their own cosplay. So he'll probably talk about that. And so then we have Luke Mays, who is a friend of Zeke's Comics and Games, was there mm-hmm. to run some games. Dan Crawford from Cabbages and Kings, yeah. but also representing Tabletop Gamers for Good. Yes. And then I think the last one, they, they tracked I've, you down. I tracked them down. I cornered them. Ah, that's what happened. Grab the mics from them. Excellent, excellent. Well, let's see what they had to say. We're, we're the guests. What, what are we? The, the rogue hosts? Did we just oh, take this he over? Podcast, he talked about podcast takeover, I think is the guest. Yeah, so we're, we're taking over. And I didn't know this was turning into an interview, <laughs> but, here, but here we go. So we have Jamie Leonard and... Jamie, tell us a little bit about your table here, what you have going on to the Teachers in the Dungeon audience. Um, Well, I have a whole bunch of dice sets set out that I have made. They're all resin dice. Um, And I have some little trinket boxes that I've actually made with leftover resin from times that I made sets of dice. Um, There's some little like resin bears that are also leftover resin creations um, and stuff like that. And then on the other half, I have kind of the process of how I make dice and some of the equipment that I use for that. Oh, I think that's the second question. I think she just segued perfectly into it. How do, how do we make this stuff, Matt? Um, well, it's all made with resin. So resin is the base of what I work with. And then I use alcohol inks and resin dyes, mica powders, foils, glitter, you know, whatever I can get my hands on to put into the dice to color it or add something to look at inside of them. Um, and then I use I pour the resin into molds. So I have silicone molds here that um, have the numbers already in them so I don't 
have to carve numbers or anything like that. Um, so I use silicone molds and then I cure them in a pressure pot to get rid of all the bubbles. So if I don't put them in a pressure pot, they end up with a bunch of bubbles. Um, and so we don't want that and that can actually cause inconsistencies in balance if you don't use the pressure pot. So your handcrafted dice are all typically more reliable than like a Chessex or store-bought dice that uh, you don't know where it came from because you know for sure that these are getting all the bubbles out and things are balanced well. Um, and then after I cure them for a day, I can sand them and then toss them in the tumbler for a couple days to polish up and then I hand paint all of the numbers that you see that are colored. Do you have a favorite set of dice that you've made and do you use them yourself? Uh, my favorite set of dice that I've ever made, I do not use. It was a custom order for a set of character dice for someone that I don't know. I met them through TikTok. Um, they just found my channel on there and they asked if I could make some character dice. And so he has a dragonborn, a green dragonborn character who has a red thread like that threads his mouth closed. And so I took some dice blanks, which are these a slightly smaller dice that don't have numbers and I made a dragon scale texture on them using UV um, UV nail polish and I and so I made it look like dragon scales and then I took a piece of red thread and kind of wove it around that um, blank and then put it in a numbered mold so that it could have uh, that those numbers on it. So that's probably my favorite one. Um, I can show you a picture of that. I have it on my Instagram so I can pull it up and show you. But um, that's probably my favorite. I wish I had that set because it's so cool. But it just, it like perfectly encaptured that character. So that's probably my favorite. <laughs> that's awesome. What, uh, so you talked about Instagram. Mm -hmm. Where can everyone find you? So I can be found on Instagram and TikTok at D20 Dinner, and then I can also be found on Facebook at D20 Dinner Handcrafted Resin Dice. All right, well, thank you very much for giving us a hand today, and it's really great to see that I like the fact that we brought the, we brought the equipment and we brought the molds because I think that gives people a chance to see, and I can tell you, you know, playing as I did back in the, you know, like in the early 80s that you never would have thought of like how this was made, but oh man, when I look on it, I love, oh man, that's really great. So we are now here as, as we're on our quest that Dan and Tom put upon us, we now get the opportunity to continue talking to the creators and providers here. This is Troy Westbrook. Troy, give us a, a lay of the land here right after I've purchased a couple awesome <laughs> things from you. So, I'm trying to get people more into building their own costumes. I got into just searching the internet. I've been in art all my life. Went to school for art. And I started going to Comic-Cons, collected comic books for years. And going to Comic-Cons, you see these costumes. And I'm like, how do you guys do that, you know? And I got into learning what EVA foam was. And from there, it just kind of took off. I started building and learning how to do it. I'm like, this would be great for parents to learn how to make their kids' costumes. And it's more than just Star Wars. It's every, there's everything out there. So I actually work in the school, and 
I, I know Tom Gross and I know Dan's there. We work together and they invited me out and I'm like, yeah, absolutely, I'll come out and, and start teaching people how to get started in the process of building their own costumes. What, so, you know, we know about Star Wars for Steam into Star Wars today. Because this is Teachers in the Dungeon, what Dungeons and Dragons related armor or whatever else? Oh yeah, for LARPing. Have you done any of that? I have not. Okay. Um, I'm a huge Marvel fan, so I have templates for like um, Iron Man. Magneto's my favorite character, so I have a template for a Magneto helmet that I want to make. Um, but never got into Dungeons and Dragons. Yet. Not yet. <laughs> well, one thing, I, I was kind of curious when we look at the table, and I like that in, in the last interview we did, uh, people brought their gear with them. Can you kind of walk us through... You know, because whether you're talking about like weapons for Star Wars or something where, hey, I can use that same technique if I wanted to make a sword or a shield or whatnot, what are some of the things you brought here and what are you going to try to walk people through in the time you have? So I brought some of the basic tools. So there are some basic tools. You can always use fancier stuff. Um, you know, things like a heat gun. Very important when you're working with EVA foam. Helps seal, the, seal it helps mold it if you want to shape that foam, you know, um, different glues so it doesn't come apart, those kind of things. And I brought, you know, my very first piece when I hardly knew anything. And even the kids look at that and like, that's awesome. Well, <laughs> in the foam smithing world, it's, the cuts are terrible, but it was my very first piece. And it just shows a transition of where you can start and where you can end up. Um, and how, you know, it doesn't matter. This gun is from the game Destiny. So it doesn't matter. If you got a picture, enough pictures, you can make just about anything you want. Um, so just showing them how simple it is with simple tools to get the process started. Um, and then the tutorial kind of walks you through painting, you know, even gives free templates for video game characters, weapons, uh, movie characters, and weapons. Um, just to show them it's not as difficult as you would think. When you see the finished costume, it looks like, man, it probably took them forever to do that. But I like to break it down and show unfinished pieces. Like I'm using simple materials to make it, and when it's finished, it looks really cool. The other thing that I like here, especially for a STEAM event, where you know you can engage with kids, and you know if you work at a school, you're doing that every day, but. I think one of them is the fact that, you know, perfect is the enemy of good. In that if you try to like, no, I can't do it, or I, I want it to be perfect, I'll never finish it. I think a good, a good mes message here is try things out, make mistakes, but those are the things, those are the building blocks. Yes, absolutely. And, and with the EVA foam, it's not like you're losing a ton of money. It's a cheap material. You're going to make mistakes. Um, but every time you make a mistake, you're learning how to do it better. So you have your first pieces that might look rough. Then the, and even those rough pieces, people that don't do it are going to say, man, that's really cool. And then it just motivates you to keep going and learning more. And if you have an online presence, um, I want to make sure people can check your stuff out. Where can people go to find and check out what you've been doing? So I do a lot of art. Most of my art is on Troy Donnell Images uh, on Facebook. I do sculptures, I do paintings. Um, 
all of it I usually post on there. Troy, thank you very much. Thank you, sir. And have you done demo? I, I haven't done this extensively. I like to. I did this last year, but we were in a bad spot and didn't have any demos. Uh, we were like locked in an island, and so it would have been kind of like ushering people back there, which didn't go very well. This year, we did. I did four total, I think. So pretty good. Uh, the demos were about 30 minutes to 45 minutes long, so not a whole bunch of time to get a bunch of demos in. What and how is this? Is this your whole personal setup here? Yes. Yeah, this is all my personal stuff. I, the terrain is 3D printed from a company called War Scenery based out of Germany. They do STL files. So I just used some FDM printers at home to get it and I painted them. And then that's just my personal half of some starters and collections and stuff. Well, how are you buying those or are those 3D printed and then so, you're painting? Or? Yeah, I have the printers at home. The files uh, I bought as like a bundle. They do Kickstarters like every three months uh, and I back that for like 50 bucks and they give you all the files for the terrain and then print them out and paint them. How, how long does it take to pull off what we see here on the table? Uh, the printing takes the longest, honestly. Uh, each of these buildings that I have is probably like a two hour print, two to three hour. Um, and then after that, the painting was super quick because I have an airbrush, which helps a lot. So I just like rattle can prime them, airbrush the base colors, and then went in with a smaller brush just to do the like roof highlights that aren't that complicated. What? And I think you're selling yourself short because just because you have an airbrush doesn't make it look like that. Because if I did the airbrush, I'd probably get arrested because they're like, oh, here's the guy who's been doing all the bad graffiti. Oh, fair. Well, thank you. <laughs> so but yeah, these are these are gorgeous, and the individuals are they the same way? The the little figures are you printing those out or? Um, those come like so that? the ones that I have out are the official kit ones, but I have three D printed ones too. Um, I it's my favorite miniatures game, and there's a ton of people that do uh, like alternate sculpts. Like I subscribe to a Patreon called Skullforge Studios, and like every month he does a theme. Like this month he did uh, Mimbam from like Solo. Uh, with the mud troopers and the Mimbanese. And so I have a, he did a couple months ago, um, a, like an Imperial Remnant. So they've got like patchwork armor and cloaks and stuff. And it came out right when the Mandalorian came out. And I loved the Imperial Remnant from that. So I basically reprinted my entire uh, Imperial army and then repainted it as a Remnant force. How, how did you get, so I'm guessing you've always been a Star Wars fan. Oh, yeah. How do you get start? how did you get started in, in introduced to the game and then start playing it? Um, so my, my wife and I go to Gen Con every year and Atomic Mass I, Games, I yeah, Fantasy Flight had their booth um, and they had the display for Star Wars Legion and they had all the models in a case and I was like, all right, I'm in. Because uh, I'd been into miniature war games before I'd done a bit of 40K and I'd played a bunch of Infinity. Um, and so when I saw that, I was like, well, I'm sold, like done. I, Star Wars miniatures is my thing, sign me up. And then from there, uh, Zeke's Comics and Games is where I go and play. And I get do all my ordering through him. And that's where we try and run events. I've organized a couple game days there, and we did a league a while ago. It's not necessarily the most robust community, but it's ours, and we've got a decent turnout for monthly stuff. That's awesome. Are there other? So this one's impressive. Do you have any other, um, I guess, timelines or stories in Star Wars that you love that isn't here today? Like, do you have a Hoth set up? Do you have... Uh, so I, I don't have a Hoth. The one that I just started working on um, is a mixed force where I have a bunch of, like, crashed rebels um, where they've got, like, their jumpsuits, like their pilots, and kind of 
scrambled together that I'm doing. And then uh, the same guy, Skullforge, did a whole line of clones, but like after the war clones. So he's got like old man heads. And again, they've got kind of like patchwork armor. And so what I really want to do, and I've started to work on with them, is doing all of that. And then I have a uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi from the show Kenobi. And I really want to do him with like the 212 that's left behind and play them as my Republic, but kind of in that transitionary period. That's yeah, like that's. I'm geeking out hearing you talk about all this. Right? It's just like, ooh, these are great ideas. We sh this should happen this way. Can, can you tell us your name? Where to find you? Where yeah, where to um, get involved with things like this? I'm. My name is Luke Mays. Uh, I have an Instagram. Uh, it's uh, Mays Models. M A Y S underscore Models. I don't post super frequently because I don't paint super fast it takes a while um, but I try and put stuff up there so I've been going through the rebels and posting them on there right now um, otherwise quality over quantity that's that's the goal uh, also just I, I'm a teacher so teaching takes a lot of time uh, summers usually when I go off because then I have a bunch of free time so I should paint, paint a bunch of stuff then well but that I mean it makes more and more sense then for you to be at an event like steam into Star Wars and teaming up with Tom, Dan, and everyone else that's around here. So th thank you for doing everything that you do, especially as a teacher, but coming here and supporting an event like this as well. Yeah, I, I'm glad that they could have us, my wife. Mr. Reem said, you're the guy to talk to about how did this happen up here with, with the gaming area, with teaching people what they can play, how they can play it. Well, I don't know about all that. Uh, so I'm here today with Gamers for Good, and we're a not-for-profit charity, and our goal is to raise money for other local charities. Um, and we want to do that in any way we can, whether it's teaching through board gaming, uh, taking donations through board, like board game donations, giving board games to families, like any way that we can kind of build and help our community, that's why we're here today. So, What has been, uh, can, you, can you talk about the different games and have some been more popular than others today? How did you decide, how did you and this crew here decide what you were bringing? Okay, so today the games that have probably been most popular, um, we played a lot of Star Wars Villainous. So Villainous is a board game based by Ravensburger and it's very asymmetrical. So every villain you play has a different win condition and plays completely different. So no matter how many times you play it, every time you play as a new character, you get to do something different. So this game has been very popular. Um, we've also played Star Wars Deck Builder, which is a two-player deck building game. Um, space Base, which is a uh, role in like resource management, like upgrade your spaceships to score victory points. Um, these two have probably been the most popular, the Star Wars um, Villainous and Space Base. But uh, we tried to stick with some themes that we thought that the kids would enjoy today, that people could get out and kind of uh, easy to play, quick to get into, nothing too difficult. What do you think the response has been today? I know that we are, this is for the first time they're doing it in the balcony here. We've got actually, we had a girls basketball game going on at the time, but how do you feel the reaction has been and do you feel like it's been good for you today? I think it's been great. Uh, we've had lots of kids show up and just sit down and play games. Um, things that maybe they weren't sure about, but they gave it a try. I, I think we've had a great turnout. Uh, I, this is our first time to be here for Star Wars Day, so we really enjoyed it. It was good. We had a lot of interaction with the crowd. That, that is a different crowd, however, I like. That was really <laughs> done on cue. Uh, but anyway, so I'm going to let you get back to your thing, though. But can you give us some ideas, some ways to find you and what you're doing? Yeah, so we have a pamphlet with a website. 
um, and uh, phone number. Um, it, unfortunately, my brain is kind of squishy, so I don't remember everything. Um, but I can give you a pamphlet that has all our information on it and everything. Uh, we're hoping to do more events like this, maybe some uh, board game days to raise money for charity. Like, like I said, um, some of the charities we have coming up are like Things for Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Um, my wife is uh, in charge of a not-for-profit out of Chicago called IDEA. It's Illinois Digital Educating Alliance. So, you know, we hope to help them out. Uh, we're going to run a game day for them in Schaumburg here coming up. So, Which is because I work in Schaumburg, so there you go. Nice. Are you also an educator? Uh, no, I am just a podcaster. Oh, but well, that, no. <laughs> um, I, I feel like you guys do a lot with education. So if you're bored, I can give you the dates. You should stop by. There are going to be a couple thousand teachers just running around doing workshops and hanging out. I'll be teaching board games. So Dan, Ross and I have been trying to walk around, getting some interviews, pretending to be teachers in the Dungeon podcast, <laughs> doing a horrible job at it, by the way. But I wanted to get one of the professionals before we kind of close it out today. But I want to talk about, you know, Steam into Star Wars, Teachers in the Dungeon, and kind of like, in your year end, you talked about a lot of stuff that you, you know, you had your goals. I love the goals. But what's a show like this kind of do that, on the surface, nothing to do with Star Wars, nothing to do with Dungeons and Dragons, but what's, it got, what's going on in your head today? I think what's going on in my head today is that Gen Con better watch out because we're coming up hard on their heels. So... The, I think what the goal is is to let our community see what a con actually is like. So that would, of course, include the cosplay that we've seen, Star Wars, game demos, podcasts, food, all of it. So it's, it's been fun, to exciting just to see, walk around, see people getting excited, see them getting involved. Um, I was a little concerned because this is the first year we've done game demos, but I just took a walk up there and every, every single one is engaged right now. They're... They're teaching new games to new people, so it's exactly what we were looking for. Did some of the, you know, like during your summer camps and things like that, because Game Club does this, so there is an overlap of the kids. Very much, yes. So what do you think that they're getting out of this? Ooh. Or what we'd like to think they're getting out of it. Yes, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm hoping they are seeing just the, the variety of ways to get engaged with the gaming community, whether it's just playing the games or seeing our vendors out here and seeing that this can be a side hustle or a main job if you find something you're passionate about. And just and that's what we've really tried to do with, with uh, summer camp as well, is show this, the students just how many sort of tangential hobbies and activities there are connected with this world. So I was, uh, I bought a set of dice from Jamie Leonard here, oh, nice. so the, the, awesome. the D20 dinner. But tell us what you think about her product over there and the custom dice that she makes and you know, getting to talk some D&D here because we did get to sneak a little in. Yes, yes, she is wonderful. I love the stuff she does. I particularly like the sharp edge dice. Those are kind of my go-to. So yeah, I've already got two sets purchased over the last couple years and I'm sure we'll do more. And. Uh, I'm just, I was excited she was able to come in today. So the one thing that actually got me is I did not realize that she um, sells those little dice boxes. That's, the one thing that's kept me from getting into dice making is just, it, this is stupid, but the idea that I'm not quite sure how much resin to use and if I would mix up too much and then have all this extra, now what do I do? It's wasted money. And so she takes all the extra resin and uses it to craft little dice boxes. 
Which, and little almost gummy bears. Yes. Because I'm a. Fr- she gave me one, and I was just like, I'm accidentally going to eat this in a moment of weakness <laughs> and ruin my teeth. <laughs> yes, those are delightful. Those are really cool that she's made those. Yeah. Well, Dan, we're going to let you get back to uh, steaming into Star Wars. We still have a little bit of time left, but I'll be excited to see what the rest of this Teachers in a Dungeon adventure is going to take us. And, of course, listen to your next episode. Thank you very much, guys. That wraps up today's session. So thank you for listening to Teachers in the Dungeon. We appreciate you and your feedback. Until the next time we see you in the dungeon, we hope you roll high on those saving throws. If you enjoyed the show and want to hear what happens in the adventure, subscribe to the podcast. Have questions, thoughts, or ideas? Check the show notes for our website and our contact information. This podcast is not affiliated or endorsed by Wizards of the Coast, Hasbro, or any other third-party Dungeons & Dragons entity. Teachers in the Dungeon is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders in the U.S. or abroad. The official Dungeons & Dragons website can be found at www.dnd.wizards.com.